now tuned in to the cold hard truth. Cayman's number one hard-hitting live podcast show, where we feature some straightforward conversations on political, social, and celebrity news, and all things happening in the Cayman Islands and around the world. This show was created to give the people a voice and a means of being involved and informed without any filters. Sometimes it gets crazy, but we always keep it real. We bring you the tea. Piping hot, so grab your favorite beverage and join the conversation via WhatsApp at 324-1612. Email tips at caymanmarlroad.com. Now, here's your host, Sandy Hill, broadcasting live from the beautiful Cayman Islands. those people that will be more comfortable taking my shoes off at work because I forget to even wear them when I leave my house. Yeah, you rocked up to a restaurant. No shoes, no no shirt, no service. (laughs) I know, I'm like, no shirt. Yeah, (laughs) I had a shirt on. Well, you had a few Just a shirt. Yeah, exactly. All right, time is uh, 727. Big news. I have some important news for you. Interesting news. It's Blake and Darren's Spilling the Tea with Sandy. K-Man's top news headlines of the day from CMR. Good morning, Sandy. How are you? Hey, good morning. Morning, Blake. Morning, Aaron. And morning to your thousands of listeners I know that are out there. And your hundreds as well. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Slimy. Never so high. (laughs) (laughs) They always Uh, go back and listen. Sometimes people 
message me two days after show and they're like, oh, I was listening to Monday's show. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like me with podcasts. I don't watch, I don't listen, watch them. I don't listen to them immediately. Sometimes it'll be yeah. about a week, you know? Well, we have uh, 60 people watching right now. That's, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. 73 in total. Cause we got YouTube people. So oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't have those numbers. Yeah. Um, so what's happening in the world of news for Cayman and the region? What do you got for us this morning? Well, uh, Prospect Primary reopened today. So hopefully parents mm -hmm. are getting That's their right. kids to school on time. Do you think that was a quick turnaround? It felt like pretty quick compared to what happened with... As it should. With uh, Georgetown. Yes, I think maybe they are trying a totally different approach. Okay. Um, I mean, they haven't said that, but I do get the sense that that's exactly what's happening. Uh, edging ever so closely to people understanding that... Um, you know, there will be uh, cases that pop up, um, and uh, this is how so it there, works. There were four cases related to that? Is that, did Six, I read that? Six, I think. Well, they only, they've only, to the best of my knowledge, confirmed the one. Um, our sources have said that um, there were a few more, upwards of potentially four or five, but I never saw a press release actually addressing that. So we'll leave that in the category of it's still in an unconfirmed rumor okay. for now. Sometimes it takes them a minute to actually come back and say, yes, there are additional cases. Um, so essentially what this is, is this is parents telling us there are more cases. And any Got idea it. where it came from? Any idea how, nope. how this I think child... You know what? I think at this point, that sort of thinking as well is going to fall away. Like if because you've got just, community yeah. transmission, you've got yeah. community transmission. I bet you they're doing just primary contact tracing just to try to isolate, isolate those individuals like in the same household sort of thing. And that's it. They're probably not even going beyond that at this point. Well, and that's why masks are, are important, an important um, mm -hmm. uh, effect on, on non-transmission. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, you had a really great graphic on your uh, the Swiss cheese graphic uh, on your yes. website, and it's a perfect analogy for you know how how it's just another layer of protection. Do you have that handy, by the way? Yes, I should. I think I still have it because I refer to it all the time. Yeah, it's such a good um, demonstration. Let me just mm -hmm. see here. Do I still have it? Because it, you know, yeah, it, it's, if you look there at you uh, there, you go. Like if you look at, um, and if you if you're looking at at yeah. on CMR right now, um, you can see that the vaccine can get through pretty much everything. But when you layer masks and you layer avoid touching your face and washing your hands and mm -hmm. testing uh, and, and vaccines, of mm -hmm, course, yeah. um, the the holes in the Swiss cheese get a lot fewer and far sure. between. And not so. just that, and I will keep saying it, some people look more attractive with the mask on. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know what I found, though? So. Uh, oh, my those, gosh. That's those, so people, those people that have the newer phones that uh, have the facial ID. To yeah. Unlock, my unlock phone, your phone. It is so hard. for it every time, work. Every time I forget, I'll I be know. holding it up, and I'm like, Ugh. It doesn't work. So then it's like I'm putting in my code, which now has to be longer yeah. as well. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, mm. yeah. Exactly. I'm with you, Aaron. Yeah. I always have to pull my mask down. It yep. should be, uh, yeah, like, should be a retina <laughs> recognition. It's going to have to. Because the world, you know, we're going to... Yes, but then I can get a contacts that look like yours. Nah. That look like your eyes. I think Apple's probably working on it already. 
I'm Look, guessing. I don't know. I'll, yeah. Honestly, just put, my, just put a chip like right there in my forehead where no one can see, like right between my eyebrows. You can't see it. Maybe yeah. like it, 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 in, inject it with the Botox. Yeah. And then uh, I can just use that chip to unlock it. Just put it yeah. Whatever yeah. happened to the, um, the finger? Did they ever do fingerprint scans for phones? I kind of felt like they yes, did. Yeah. Not yeah. Take off. yeah. That was fine. Yeah. I think it was. The I, fingerprint was on the home button though. So they don't have home buttons anymore. Yeah. So they'll have to figure out you can mm. be able to just put your finger anywhere on your screen then and, and open it. Yeah. 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 I don't have a anyway. home button anymore. Me neither. They don't make them anymore. But the facial recognition, it, it would be nice if you could do, but you can't do two facial recognitions, one with a mask on. And one. Actually, I don't know if you could or not. Uh, no, because you can't, you can only have one oh, okay. on there. I think uh, I might be able to actually add another person, but I don't think the mask would let it. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, let's just say I've not gone far enough to tr even try. <laughs> Sandy, you working on anything else this morning? Um, we're going to be talking about a little bit of a court case. Remember the um, home invasion back in 2017? Yes, I read that um, story. The guy got convicted. Yes, so this is the last defendant that they were. Oh. This story has had a lot of twists and turns. It's been and, a, um, there were gag orders and stuff in place that the average person would not know about. So there were certain things that the media could not report on. Mm -hmm. I read um, that there was a three-week trial. Is that true? More or less, yeah. Yeah, that's a long yeah, trial. It started in early um in early that's very September. long. Yeah, mm. so they said they finally got their man. Yeah, there was a lot of evidence. And, um, you know, I think every person should at least go to court once and see a grand court trial okay. how they present evidence because it's not as simple as people think so when people say well why can't the police just do this and this and this like evidence has to be introduced yeah. as what they call live evidence so a person has to talk about i was there and this is what happened um the police have to talk about how they carried out their investigation how they obtained evidence how they got the phone you know the forensic person um who analyzed the phone has to either present live evidence or Sometimes the defense and prosecution can agree in certain bits and pieces that are non-contentious. So if they agree that, you know, yes, this was his phone, there's no dispute about it being his phone, then they allow it in and they allow the forensic report that analyze the phone messages to go along with it. Of course, he that was one of the key pieces of evidence in this case, and we'll delve into it a little bit, but he denied um, that he ever sent those messages and basically said the police was setting him up. Well, ah, I think we've all right, yeah. in this. Uh, I think we've all been to court. Seen court, in, yeah. <laughs> let's all in let's this all, room. Let's all go for a traffic offense court, or whatever. Yeah. Let's all go to court to <laughs> see it going on, not yeah. end up in court. Yeah, yeah. You and, are, and and you know, yeah. summary court is not quite the same as a grand court trial. So there is a, a difference. And, yeah. Um, remember I, when they worth, used to, have to go to court? Court. Remember when we used to have to go to court for a seatbelt, not wearing a seatbelt? Oh yeah. They stopped doing that. We, uh, I, I actually I was on a, that. I was on a jury trial. I was part of a jury for six weeks when I was in my mid twenties in, uh, wow. Chicago. I got selected for a jury duty, mm. six week trial. And my, my work was not, and you were not sequestered? my work was not happy about that. They paid me like uh, 25 bucks a day oh, yeah. or something. It's not like, it's not, no, I wasn't sequestered. Yeah, you weren't sequestered. I got, I got Bless called you. to jury. Okay. <laughs> I got called to uh jury duty. Um, and I had to prove, I'm like, I haven't lived there for, you know, seven years. And I had to prove that I was here and they kept trying to get me. I'm like, I'm not going to be on jury duty in Idaho. I'm not even we, in the uh, States. We would, as parents, we would all probably find this, this case I was on more interesting nowadays. It was a class action lawsuit about, uh, I can't remember the company. It was a huge company. Maybe it was uh, Procter & Gamble or somebody okay. that made a baby formula called Neo Malsoy. And uh, the way that they made it or didn't make it 
Uh, it was lacking uh, sodium or salt in the formula, and they knew it, that it didn't have enough salt. And as we know, salt is very important yeah. for brain development, yes. early brain development. So oh, how sad. I know. And, and, and they say a lot of the kids that, that had that formula as a baby uh, had uh, learning or learning disabled. Oh, man. And so the, the, wow. the, the case was, was very interesting just from a scientific point of view. But what was really sad is a lot of the scientists that, that were working for the company knew what was going on and they get, didn't fix it. I just don't get how you can know something that detrimental and yeah. still just continue on and be okay with yourself. I know. I know. It was, it was so crazy. crazy. So they, yeah. So obviously we found in favor of the, the defendants. I know, but that's what or, not the defendants, yeah. the, the class action. We, yeah. you know, hmm. <laughs> we're not lawyers. We just yeah. act like ones <laughs> no. on radio. Yeah. Yeah, um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, <laughs> we, uh, that's funny. <laughs> I don't know. So, I just what is what is monetary funds going to do for a you know a family nothing. with a child like that now? And you, it could have been completely yeah. avoidable. Anyway, I digress. Let's go yeah. back to what else is going on. Anything? <laughs> any other big news? <laughs> yes. Um, so I like how our conversations just go all over the place. Um, so we're going to do a little bit. The the DEH has some mulch that is available for free, and they're encouraging people to not allow this mulch to go to waste mm. um, at the prospect site. So I'd like to encourage people to to go out there and grab a bucket. This is, full. This is all from, uh, from uh, Hurricane, hurricane Grace. Grace. Yes. Yeah. Where's Tropical Storm Grace? Remember, she wasn't technically a hurricane oh. yet. Yeah, she sure. was. Yes, she um, was. <laughs> where's the prospect uh, area? Or where's the... It is um, wherever the dump site was. Hmm? So prospect. it's um, Poindexter Road, like in that area. Oh, yeah. Oh, I know where it is. Yeah. On the back end. The it's kind of like heading towards there. Patrick's Island. Yeah. All right, Sandy. Uh, sorry for going long today, but but uh, you know our conversations do take sidebars occasionally. Yeah. No worries. <laughs> I think my listeners enjoy them, and now we've got 190 people tuned in. Just went up to 194. Awesome. Wow. Well, everybody uh, watching, have a great day. Thank and you. Sandy, Thank you too, you. as well. We'll see you tomorrow. All right, guys. Have a good one. All right, folks. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good morning. Buenos dias. Bonjour. What else? Um. I need to start doing all the languages like John John. They, that used to crack me up. I used to have a good laugh when he would do attempt to do all these different languages during the press briefings. Um, <clears throat> some of them are pretty good effort. But uh, Prospect Primary, if you've got kids there, uh, the government has said, bring your children back to school today. They're not going to uh, do any delays. And a lot of people like Blake and Aaron are like, oh, that was pretty fast. I think that we're edging ever so closer to the reality that um, COVID really is here to stay. I know we keep saying that, but I don't think everybody believes it. They're like, no, 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 no. It's going to just disappear next week. Um, so as we edge closer, uh, there appears to, you know, be real life implications of what that means. So that means that when you have an outbreak in the school, even if it's a couple um, students, they are not going to stop and shut down an entire school for two weeks. Imagine if they did that with every positive that they had. They probably, your children might as well just stay home and get no education at all. So I think that, that that's the direction that uh, they are going. And so we will continue to prepare for our lives to return based on, um, on those criteria. 
So we have a couple things I want to talk about today. So good morning, one and all. Just uh, posting a couple quick notifications here. <clears throat> so how is everyone? I feel a little bit congested today. My sinuses feel a little bit off. Um, I, you know, when you, you feel like you could just get some Vicks and lather it all over your face. Have you noticed, maybe this is just me, but have you guys noticed that the potency of Vicks isn't always the same? Like I have a jar that is like really, really old. Like I've had it, well, probably over six months because I don't really use that much Vicks, right? And I feel like that one is actually a little bit more potent than some of the more recent ones that I've purchased, which is super weird. <laughs> I mean, shouldn't the formula be the same? I don't know. But that one, maybe is it a case of the longer it sits, the more potent it becomes? Perhaps. But yeah, that one is super potent. Like that's my go-to one. Like I'm always searching all over the house like, hmm. Where did I put that one again? And I try to keep it in one singular spot so that I can put my hands on it. But yes, honey child, I put that on and it's like, woo, my eyes are burning. My sinuses are burning. Everything is burning. It's like, and, and I only can really tolerate it for like maybe five minutes, but it does the job. It draws out and uh, clears out my sinuses really, really quickly. You know what else will clear up your sinuses? A good um, cup or mug or bowl of the right kind of soup. So soup with like a little bit of spiciness in it, that does a trick as well. So you put that on and you're like, woo, in no time you can breathe easy. Um, humidifiers that come with the little Vic packs, sometimes they work too. And this sounds really strange. But wasabi, mm-hmm, wasabi does wonders, folks. I mean, you got to have a little bit of it because it is spicy, but it's going to clear out your sinuses as well. Ervlin, good morning. <clears throat> Beautiful Alice. Mitzi is joining us. Mm-hmm. Good morning, Jonathan. How are you? Bless up, bless up. Uh, he's asking for weather updates. Yes, I did see something was a brewing out there. I will have a look at that. No problem. Um, good morning. Buenos dias to Elizabeth. Tracy has got it locked in. Oh, Tracy, you look like you got a glamour shot for your profile photo. Tracy, did I see somewhere recently that you had a birthday? If so, happy birthday. Anne-Marie, good morning, beautiful. Daisy, how are you? Junior's here. Le that's Leroy. Uh, Paula, good morning. Paula says, morning, Sunday, uh, Sandy. This is a day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad and get vaccinated. You go, girl. Good morning, Miss Sue. Good morning, Wee Wee. Good morning, Felicia. Hi, Larry. Joining us from New York. Emma's got it locked in. Uh, Larry is Larry is always making requests of the of the station. Um, they don't really, I don't think they really see the comments, Larry. He said, play some David Bowie. <laughs> so good morning, Carson. Um, thank you. Thank you. Blissful Powell is here. 
uh, says to God be the glory. Emma says the Samsung still comes with the fingerprint, face recognition, and security number codes. Oh, interesting. So Samsung devices still have like a home button of some sort, I guess. Keisha, Ruby, watching from Georgia, the beautiful state of Georgia. Vernita says she did jury duty and she loved it. Wow. Most people do not like jury duty. Um, some cases are boring. I've seen a few. And literally, you're like falling asleep. As a jury, obviously, you're trying to stay awake because you got to listen to all the evidence presented to you. Marshall, Kevin is here. Omeria, good morning. Odette, Diamond Princess. Jonathan says that's exactly what they need to do. I guess he's referring to the schools. Open back up. Good morning, Olivia. Delcy is here. Thank you so much. Um, yes, Delcy, if your son goes to Prospect Primary, unless he's been told otherwise, he needs to go to school this morning. Now, um, let me tell you what the official statement said from government. It was short and sweet and to the point. We posted it up last night. So the Ministry of Education announced on Wednesday, that was yesterday, that Prospect Primary will reopen today, the 30th. Members of the affected class, so if you're in that group, will remain in quarantine with members of their household for 14 days, as per directives from public health. So they reminded you that it closed on the 28th, which was Monday, was that Monday? Uh, no, that was Tuesday. Um, after public health confirmed that a six, a year six student of the school tested positive. So they've only confirmed the one student so far. But like I said, our sources have indicated that there's more. I guess if they're all in that classroom, um, the school is saying, listen, we're going to contain it this much, but we're not going to shut down the entire school. That's going to be the way forward. Louis. Pleasant good morning to you from Detroit. 48 degrees already? Wait a minute. It's September. Weren't you just in the 80s like two days ago? <clears throat> That's the thing about the weather, particularly in the States. Man, it can fluctuate. I miss me some, some Florida sometimes because you go from like 80 degrees and then the next day you get a cold front coming and it drops to 30 and you're like, what? Pull out the turtlenecks. Does, do people wear turtlenecks anymore? Are they still fashionable? I used to like a turtleneck back in the day. They just kept you, kept you nice and toasty, all warm in the neck area. Um, yeah, pull out your turtlenecks and your little sweaters and boots and all the stuff that you don't wear every day in Florida. It's kind of fun to wear something different. When I first came out to came out, I used to chuckle at people when we'd have a cold front, like December. And they pull out like proper boots. And I'm like, y'all just want to wear boots. This is a fashion statement. This is not a weather necessity. <laughs> Literally, they would pull out the boots and the, the jackets and stuff. I'm like, who owns a jacket in Cayman? Like, I own, uh, I guess, pullovers. What do you call them? Hoodies. Mm-hmm. I think I have, I think I may still have one jacket and that's in the event that I have a travel somewhere and I'm traveling into cold weather. I can at least take a jacket with me. Um, 
<clears throat> so Jonathan says the herb does the same thing. If you smell it, uh, you know it's working. Yes, uh, Tracy, good morning. Uh, it's going to clear up my sinuses. Is that right? The thing with smoking anything, um, Jonathan, and this is where, you know, you and I are going to have to agree to disagree, is smoking anything is not good for your lungs. I don't care how good you want to argue that substance is. The process of smoking something, of actually lighting it up, um, creates carcinogens. That's the same reason why even food, if you're grilling food, um, you know, it has carcinogenic properties to it because the process of putting it on the grill, that's why it's charred, like all those black little charrings and stuff. They're not good for your lungs and your overall health. They are cancer causing. So good morning, Maria. Alicia is here. Mr. Blair joining us from Florida. Remy, can I tell you that yesterday something came up on my, I think it was my Facebook, let me see now, memories, where I had tagged you from something like seven years ago or 10 years ago or something. Um, let me see if I can go and see. Oh gosh, Facebook is always showing you memories, child. Some some good and some you're like, oh, can we forget that situation? Um, <laughs> so it's interesting to see what you were doing all these years ago. Oh, today's my aunt's birthday. I know that because of Facebook memories. Happy birthday um, to Adonia Barnes. Everybody knows her as Topsy. So, um, let me see, when was this? 12 years ago? Oh my gosh, Facebook goes way back in memories. Oh my gosh, listen to this. September 30th, 2009, I posted the following. Hear this, another child molester in Bodentown is in custody. He's between 60 to 70 years old and started molesting his child from the age of nine. And now she's 13 and pregnant for him. When will this, when will they change the law? Please sign the online petition. Wow. What case was that? 2009, 12 years ago. Mm. I would have to, oh gosh, does anybody remember what case that would have been? Uh, hmm. But that's what I was saying 12 years ago. Looks like I joined Facebook based on how far back I go 12 years ago. Uh, and then I posted another question later that day. Do you believe that a child who's become pregnant as a result of sexual abuse should be allowed to have an abortion? Mm. What a mess. And you know, we still haven't done much to address that whole situation. Really, really sad. Um, it's not allowing me to go back another day, but Remy, something popped up with memories from yesterday. Um, was that the James Webster case? I kind of think that, no, 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 James Webster couldn't have been 2009. I'll tell you why, why I know that. I came back to Cayman in 96. James Webster 
was in the late 1990s because I was so flabbergasted and shocked at how <clears throat> these cases were being handled in Cayman. I thought to myself, this can't be right. There's something wrong. Uh, right? Um, so I, I want to say that if I came back in 96, it's probably like 98 or so that that case came out, maybe 99, but I feel like it was even 2000 yet. One of the more disturbing sexual abuse cases, because it was his own daughter. Plus the age doesn't match for him. He wasn't that old. He's not, he's not old now. And this man had been molesting his daughter for years and eventually got her pregnant. That's how they discovered the child molestation. Very, very sick situation, I got to tell you. Um, it really physically upsets me um, a lot. <sighs> Good morning. It's your girls, Zara. It's your girl, Zara. Oh, good morning. Uh, she says she's on the other side today. Does that mean you're on YouTube? Good morning. Remy says gas prices are soaring, but nobody's addressing it. Oh my God. Speaking of gas prices, what's going on in the UK with gas? Miss Darlene, I turned on BBC News yesterday and I was shocked. And I kind of seen stuff in passing on the news, but there's some kind of gas shortage because apparently the UK are treating gas like toilet paper where everybody's like running to get some. Any idea why though? Why y'all running to the petrol station as you would say in the UK? What's going on there? Mm, I saw some headline about this is what you get for leaving <laughs> the U European Union. Like this is one of the downsides of uh, Brexit. I said, what a hot mess. So naturally, that's going to have a knock-on effect on us. And you know, once that happens, um, geez, everything's going to go up. All of our shipping, which it was, that was up anyway because of COVID. Chain supply lines are being interrupted and so on. And so the cost of goods are going to increase the cost of food because, you know, your food is trucked a lot of places. I remember learning a little bit about the trucking business when I was in university because I met um, an acquaintance who was a trucker and he used to drive from California to like Florida for years. And they pick up produce from like one part of the U.S. and they'll truck it, you know, somewhere else. And that's that's big business being um, and they actually make pretty decent money too. being a trucker um, in these refrigerated trucks where they're carrying a lot of produce and goods and so on. So, Remy, we'll see what we can find out, but I think it's world events that are causing this to happen. Miss Jan reminds us that good old um, hot water just steam your face. 
Put your face in some nice steam, hot water. Yes. Or even when you get in the shower, just let it run on your face really, really, really hot. Um, and it, it steam helps to clean out the pores as well. So it's good for your skin up to a certain point because then you've got to moisturize it so it doesn't dry you out. Uh, Zambula. Let's talk about the first, please. The first. Oh, the case. Uh-huh. Zambula is like typing. Oops. Let me retype that. Um, well, let's talk about it. So we have um, Shane Connor. Um, and I feel like Shane has been in and out of jail a good portion of his life. Uh, he's from East End. There he is. And um, he seems to always get himself in something or another over the years. He has been convicted for a number of offenses. I don't personally know him, but he has reached out through um, Dr. Frank the other day to say that he wanted his... Um, his case covered. I don't think it was this case, though. It was some other case that he was being accused of going knocking on people's doors in Prospect. Um, and soliciting women, I guess. That would be the thing to say what they were accusing him of. He was on, oh God, this guy has had a number. I'm just going, looking back here. So back in 2015, he pled guilty to burglary and attempted burglary back in uh, some incident in Georgetown. So at that time, he was on remand for many months in connection with uh, all sorts of different offenses from rape to threats to kill, covering several different incidents. But he had been freed after all the charges against him were either dropped or he was acquitted. So he's got a little bit of somewhat of a lucky streak, I guess. I don't know. And it didn't take long for him to and back up in jail. So there've been times when they've caught him red-handed. Uh, thanks, Jonathan, for that. They've caught him red-handed and then they just were not able to have it stick. He was also in court for assaulting. This is back in 2015. He was acquitted for the fourth consecutive time. So he's had the luck of the Irish. Um, and he was discharged by the court at that time. 
where he was uh, in court for threatening to kill his own mother in September of um, 2014. So his mother had requested a protection order at the time from him, but didn't give any evidence. And he denied the allegations. So that protective order was for three years. Um, but I think because she didn't testify, then that case kind of got, he got acquitted. <clears throat> so he always blames the police because even back then this report says that he had reported that the police or prison officers had taunted him and so on. He was also facing two rape charges at the time, unrelated and separate cases. And um, <clears throat> the complainant withdrew the allegations and Connor was acquitted. So this is what I was saying earlier about evidence, right? Sometimes in a lot of cases, especially cases involving a victim, if the victim does not cooperate with the authorities, then you don't have a case, basically. Sorry. That's why there's another case that's happening right now. I think it's... Uh, I think the jury was discharged and they were starting over. There's something that happened with it recently in court. But they're going to be restarting that case. And that was another allegation of tampering with a witness because if you don't have a victim willing to cooperate with the police then the police basically have no case even if listen even if the um the police have a witness statement because like i said that witness statement in most instances can't just be entered into court because the the defense has um, a right to be able to cross-examine anyone who's accusing a defendant. And you can't cross-examine a piece of paper, right? So in this current case, you guys might remember this, and I was shocked when it happened. And it actually happened right before CMR got started. So back in 2017, we started like June of 2017, um, but we started the end of June. This incident happened the beginning of June. And I know the sister of the victim. We worked at Maples back in the day. So there were a number of individuals involved in this and how they caught them. Some of it was a little bit of police work and some of it was luck. So these guys actually stole, amongst other things, like a Cartier watch. I think they stole like $30,000 worth of stuff. Cartier watch, jewelry, and electronic devices. And one of the electronic devices that they stole was an iPad. 
And so the iPad has, of course, you know, if you have an Apple device, um, you're stupid if you steal those, first of all, because most people have the tracking, find my iPhone, find my iPad set up on those. And um, that's how they were able to locate where they had stashed the goods. And then that led them to fingerprint evidence and the bag and other things, right? But they didn't get um, Shane Connor right away. So they got Elmer Wright, 26 years old. You guys will remember back in 2020, he was found guilty January of 2020 uh, to six different offenses relating to the, the St. Patrick's Island home invasion that took place on June the 17th of 2017. Now, he has since been sent to the UK. Remember, he was a young man that when they had his trial, they were taking a helicopter out every day. He was being escorted by police um, vans and all sorts of stuff. There was a lot of security around him because apparently he had made threats to members of the judiciary. Oh, someone is saying that I should remind you all that there is a full-scale airport emergency exercise happening this morning. So if you're in that area, expect some delays by the airport. I would suggest avoiding the area completely. Um, I feel like we did get something in relation to this. Hold on one second. So you know the airport carries out these... exercises on a regular basis. Uh, let me see here. Somebody sent it to me a couple days ago. So yes, yeah, so just be mindful of that happening. I got this from someone, but I never got it by email. to be honest. So just a reminder, I'll stick it up on the social media platforms as well in case you're going to be in that area. So anyway, it took them a minute to, um, to charge him. Part of the issue, I think, is they knew or suspected he was involved a couple years ago. And... Um, They, uh, they needed to, um, I, I, I think that when someone has a history of, uh, getting off, in cases, maybe they needed to build their case a little bit more against him. There were a lot of things, like I said, that happened behind the scenes in this background, in the background of this case. Um, and some things we were not permitted to report on. My apologies, because there was a gag order in place. And I think with certain aspects of it, there still remains some sort of a order as well. 
So his lawyers were doing a lot of back and forth with the prosecution behind the scenes about evidence and admissibility and all sorts of stuff. So we can't get into any of those things. But at the end of the day, uh, they finally uh, proceeded with the case about three weeks ago. And they were able to um, press on with the case. And they actually got a conviction. Um, yeah. So, you know, he'll probably be spending quite a bit of time in jail for this. And given that he actually has previous convictions, I suspect that the prosecution will be arguing for a lengthy sentence. It is what it is. I don't know what to tell you, except that, um, you know, eventually stuff catches up with you one way or the other. Um, this young man over the years um, seems to have had some issues. And the cold hard truth is sometimes somebody just, just, you know, they just are who they are. And there's at this stage in his life, I mean, people can be redeemed, but when this has been your entire life, I don't know. I don't know if you ever are able to recover and turn things around. Maybe if you spend 10, 15 years in jail, that gives you a lot of time to think about how your life is going and you have an opportunity to potentially turn things around. He's, he's probably going to have a long time to think about it. <clears throat> so, um, good luck in jail. I don't know. That's a long, that's going to be a long haul. I'm sure his lawyers will appeal. They always appeal and kind of run through the system. That's that's your money, by the way, that's being spent on things like that. Good morning, Al Lizette. Thank you so much. Um, yes, thank you, Zambula. That's Kurt Carter and allegedly tampering with a witness. Remember, he's not yet been convicted of that offense. I'm trying to remember what happened the last time he was in court. Um, the allegation is that they tried to pay off a witness to not be a witness anymore, to not testify. What a hot mess. Uh, yes, he had lead counsel. He had, um, What's the name of it? Um, the guy's name, he's, a, he's an English uh, defense attorney. He comes here as a QC, he comes here and visits. His name is, let me tell you what his name is. Really nice fellow actually, as lawyers go. Paul Killeher, I think is how he pronounces it. So basically what he said was one of the people that testified against Shane was um, this young man, 
who was part of the, <laughs> he was part of the home invasion. So he was kind of like their key witness, right? Kane Thomas, a co-accused, testified for the prosecution. And I did catch some of his testimony. I was there. And he basically said, you know, he was pretty young when this happened. And um, how he got to know Shane was through his dad, because I guess they were friends. And he would hang out in his dad's yard, and that's how he got to know him. And so one day they came up with this plot to carry out some robberies, burglaries. So they actually started um, in West Bay and they attempted to break into house, but they were unsuccessful at that location. But when the attempted burglary there was reported and they actually found the bag of goods, then it became very, very clear that the two were connected and they went and actually got CCTV footage that quickly, um, you know, that quickly tied the events together. And of course, you know, Connor has had previous convictions for burglaries before. He's been in jail for that. So they say he was the fourth man and now um, the, the jury has, and it was mostly women on this jury, they accepted that that was the case. They actually had the victims join in by live link. And, um, you know, when you have gone through an, an ordeal like that, like someone coming into your house, as you're sleeping, no less. I mean, you got to understand how incredibly scary that must be to just wake up and you've got four men at the foot of your bed. Um, they tied them up with, I think it was duct tape, tied their hands and feet. They threatened to sexually assault the woman. They um, threatened to kill the man for sure as well. One of the guys said something like, um, oh, you'll be number six. You know, I've killed five others and you'll be number six or something like that. So they uh, gave a lot of very, very interesting um, evidence. They had phone evidence that showed that he was in Georgetown because part of his alibi was that he was actually in East End at the time with his father at Pirate's Cove Bar or something like that. So the police were like, the prosecution presented the fact that no, your phone was actually showing that you were in Georgetown. How can you be in East End if your phone was showing in Georgetown? His defense is that the police didn't do a good job um, demonstrating that what he was telling them was true. And I thought to myself, but that's not the police's job, first of all. If you're waiting on them to exonerate you, uh, you're kind of confused about how the legal system works. So he's saying that the police could have gotten a statement from his father and they didn't. And they also could have um, gotten CCTV camera and they didn't. But, you know, the, I think the evidence in this case was pretty overwhelming, actually. They had messages between him and his co-accused uh, saying different things. In fact, the irony of it is they were actually trying to cut out um, 
one of the other guys. <laughs> they were planning to like keep the loot for themselves, him and the main guy there. And um, it was kind of interesting that criminals can't even be loyal to each other. No surprise there, really. So um, that was interesting. So two of the brothers, the Thomas brothers, Nikel Thomas and Kane Thomas, had both admitted their involvement in the case. So Nikel was the lookout man, right? So his home actually overlooks the airport with a clear view of the police chopper. Listen how smart these things think these guys think they are. And he had agreed to message the robbers to let them know when the police were on the move. So they could show phone contact between Nikel Thomas and Shane Connor. Right? So um, Kane Thomas was the first man to be arrested. And they had messages that were talking about how careless Kane was. So after he got arrested, they were still messaging each other about how careless he was and how they're going to share up the proceeds of the burglary and actually cut him out of it. So he was the one, this Kane Thomas young man was the one who showed up to court and actually gave evidence of what happened and how the whole criminal enterprise came about. So um, WhatsApp messages. Connor's DNA was found in a glove that police recovered when they tracked a bag of the loot, of the stuff that was stolen that had been hidden by the robbers. And again, they were able to track that because of that find my iPad feature. Took them right to it. I listened to um, the evidence of, especially the woman, Maria Butler, of what happened that night, her and her husband. Um, I don't know if they've completely moved from Cayman, but they are living overseas now. Really, really sad. Four o'clock in the morning, being awoken by four men. I mean, you got to understand how scary that must be. <clears throat> so they woke up with these men shining small torch lights in their faces, they said. And then the men said, this is a robbery and demanded to know where their cash and jewelry was. And during the frightening invasion, the three men, two armed with guns and the other one with a hammer, threatened and assaulted them and tied them to chairs with duct tape. These are some of the details that came up during the trial. The robbers were all masked up. One had on a Halloween mask and the other had on black material over their face. <clears throat> At least one of the men was very threatening and aggressive. And one made lewd sexual threats towards Maria, which made the couple fear that she would be sexually assaulted. This is their, their live evidence that they gave. They put the guns to their heads and threatened to kill them, telling them that they had killed five people already. And unless they told them where the safe was, they would become numbers six and seven. The entire ordeal lasted about 40 minutes before the men uh, made off with about $35,000 in cash and valuables. 
of the valuables included Maria Butler's mobile phone. And when she was able to free herself after the robbers left, she called the police and they arrived and she used the app on her iPad to locate the phone and to track it down. I, I thought most criminals by now know not to steal somebody's phone or any electronic device that can be easily tracked. That's stupid. But good thing that criminals are not always that bright. So as luck would have it, um, that took them right to the backpack. They recovered the phone, clothes, gloves. And it was one of those gloves that was later connected back to Connor with the fingerprint. King Thomas was arrested later that morning when he was spotted driving in Georgetown with defective lights. How ironic that that's actually what made him got caught. It's like, maybe he wouldn't have gotten caught if he didn't have that defective light on. Or he wouldn't have gotten caught that morning because that's why the police stopped him. Isn't that something? When police officers pulled him over, he sped off and then crashed into a light pole following a police chase. The officers then searched the car and found clothes doused in gasoline in a garbage bag. So they were going to, the. it looks like the plan was to actually burn the evidence. Officers then searched the car and found clothes, oh, sorry. They found the clothes, duct tape, WD-40, and other items that were later linked to the crime. So, um... This eventually led to four suspects being arrested and charged with Nikal Thomas charged and pleading guilty to aiding and abetting the crime. But it took them, like I said, some time to... Um, he, Connor was originally arrested at the beginning of the investigation, but he denied any involvement and again told police he was in East End all night. He was interviewed multiple times, maintained his in innocence, and it wasn't until afterwards that Kane Thomas gave evidence against, against Elma Wright in January of last year. And he actually said that Connor had recruited him and was the fourth man involved in the crime spree. So they got a conviction. We'll see. Um, what happens from there and where matters go from there, but um, it's a hot mess, really is sad. So they actually stole a car, by the way, at some point that was used. Uh, they stole, after they attempted attempted robbery in West Bay, they then stole a car um, at Marriott Hotel and then use that then to go to the Patrick's Island house. Sad situation. Good morning, uh, Miss Alba, how are you? Zambula says, Hina kill a bird, much less a soul. I don't know, I guess criminals have bragging rights, like they like to make you think they're bigger and badder than they are sometimes. Um, <clears throat> but I can tell you, that this couple was scared out of their wits. I remember 
uh, speaking of people connected to them right after the incident and were so fearful of even um, remaining in that house after that. Yes, they, they're trying to think, uh, Seymour. They're trying to think, trust me. What a hot mess. So um, good luck in, in prison, I guess. I don't know if um, they will send him to the UK as well. Uh, sometimes they do that because certain individuals, I think there's two brothers that are over in some prison in the UK as well. They feel like they can't control even the prison population here. Um, because of their ability to... continue a, a criminal enterprise even though they're in prison they still have uh, some sort of impact over others and um you know we have seen and we've heard that they can also control criminality from their jail cell so what they will do is they will remove them entirely from the cayman islands and put them elsewhere. I think we have some sort of arrangement with the UK where I'm pretty sure we're paying for that pleasure. But um, they will take them for us. Brenda's asking if um, <clears throat> they knew the couple and there's no indication that they did at all um they were just unlucky right So someone has just said that fire truck and fire rescue just pulled up and parked in the middle of the road by Deckers, but headed into the hotel across the road. The fire crew are running in. Kitchen fire, maybe? Because that hotel, that hotel doesn't have any occupants, I don't think. Hmm. Hmm. Let me see what I can find out. Sorry. Let me just take a quick break. I do need to run and properly clear out my sinuses.
So this is um, the photo of what's happening in West Bay Road now. Um, I'm reminded that there is a restaurant, Tilly's, in that um, apartment, or that hotel. Um, and um, I don't know if they have a restaurant fire or what's going on. But there you go. Keep you updated as we know more. Tracy says Palm Heights Hotel, formerly Hyatt. Oh, are they a quarantine facility? Huh. Okay. Uh, thank you for that, Tracy. Miss Julie says, wonder how they knew about the safe. Well, they didn't know about the safe because there was no safe. <laughs> so this is where criminals must think everybody in Patrick's Island has a safe. Um, because they walked in there. Where's the safe? Where's the money? Not the brightest. Um, you know. Um, yeah, they were looking for some big load of money. And unfortunately, what they end up um, getting is jewelry and other things. So, yeah, they, they were just misguided from the onset about what they could get. Mind you, I suppose $35,000 for 40 minutes worth of work, if it actually had paid off in their favor, they might have reasoned was a good risk. But how do you unload? So this is where criminals are, are just sometimes not the brightest. Because if you have a Cartier watch, right? and you try to unload that, um, how do you do that? What were you gonna sell, who are you gonna sell it to? You know, Cartier watch, depending on, on the watch, can definitely be worth thousands of dollars, but who in Cayman is gonna be buying this watch from you? If it's, if it's an individual, like if you try to stick it on a website for sale or whatever, they're probably going to want some um, documentation of the watch. Like, do you have the original paperwork, that sort of thing? So, I mean, if you go to the pawn shop, you know, one of the issues with the pawn shops is they have, after they came into business, there was a concern that um, they were allowing people to come in and they were basically accepting stolen goods and not really asking a whole lot of questions. And it's not, they, they'll argue that it's not their job to ask questions. I do know now that with electronics, they actually ask you to open the devices because what they had happening is that people would um, steal cell phones and other electronic devices, pawn it, Oh, yeah, I'll be back for it, but not really, because, you know, you stole it and you can't even unlock the device. So I do know that um, they were starting to 
ask people to at least unlock devices. Because again, if you don't have the unlock capability with these phones, especially an iPhone, you'll never be able to use that iPhone. Because even if you wipe it and you try to use it, it's going to ask you for the original login. That's one of the security features of the phone. So someone just mentioned that Tilly's is actually closed um, from, from September the 6th until October the 5th. So they're closed until next week, Tuesday. So they're not sure what could potentially um, be going on there. I don't know. I guess we'll hear soon enough. Um, if it's just a, might be a false report. You know, that's the thing with fire rescue. They always have to be there just to check it out. So Ms. Brenda says, I was wondering why that particular couple was targeted. Maybe they crossed paths previously. They clearly had prior knowledge. My thinking criminals don't do random robberies. Well, it looks like this was a random robbery, Miss um, Brenda. There was never any indication that they had scoped out a location before. Like literally because they were unsuccessful in West Bay, I think they got in a car and just kept driving. And they probably just picked that house because it was easy to break into. Which, not for nothing, folks, but in this day and age, invest in an alarm system. You know, we haven't quite gotten to the point where we all need burglar bars yet. Sadly, that might come. But an alarm system, go tell Security Center I sent you because I use them. And I'm telling you, it will at least alert you that someone has pried open a window in your house. And more importantly, it's going to alert the police immediately as well. And they're not going to get 40 minutes to come in and torture you, tie you up with duct tape, threaten to sexually assault you, you know, um, pistol whip you. I think they took the hammer and hit this poor guy on the knee. The, the couple did sustain some injuries as well. So... I think they just picked that house because it was easy to get into. Sliding glass doors, folks, can be very, very easy to get into. And there are devices that you can use to make those a little bit more challenging to, um, to get an access point through. They might look good, but they're really not the most secure devices. So that's where you gotta always think about security. It's horrible, really, that you live on such a beautiful island and you think everybody's nice and you wish you didn't have to think about these things. But unfortunately, um, you know, just like you have a hurricane preparedness plan, I think that most households should have a safety plan. In the event of this, what are we gonna do? You know, if someone comes in, what's, what's, what are we going to do? Some people will try to keep, I know I've got a aunt and uncle child you break in on them. You're going to get, you're going to get pistol whipped because they keep something very close <laughs> to the bed that they can grab in a hurry. But let's be honest. Most people, if you've never been through it, you don't know exactly how you're going to react to the situation and what ends up happening is that when you, or especially when you're woken up out of a deep sleep, four o'clock in the morning, I'm sure they were in a deep sleep. You're, you're not even thinking, you're not 
agile mentally. So they catch you off guard. You know, they have the benefit of having planned to some extent to break in and what they were going to do. And you're just woken up and you're like, what the heck is this? And the most important thing in that moment is just to stay alive. Never fight. Um, somebody wants to rob you. Never fight, fight it. Just give them what they want because whatever it is that they want, that Cartier watch can be replaced. It might even have insurance on it. Like none of that stuff is really worth it to be honest. This brings me to another case that we've been watching out of Florida, Orlando. You guys saw this because we reported on it a couple times. Uh, Mia Marcano, her father is originally from Trinidad and she has gone missing from Orlando, Florida. She was seen last week, Friday, uh, late in the afternoon. She got off of work and she was has not been seen since. She was supposed to be going, flying from Orlando to Fort Lauderdale, back to her parents' home. Only 19 years old. And each passing day, I think those of us who have um, been aware of, you know, these types of cases know that with each passing day, unfortunately, the chances of recovering this young lady alive is dwindling by the minute. I'm going to share um, a video here of um, what the latest is as of yesterday. Um, you don't want to put any bad energy out there because, of course, you're always hoping against hope that her family will have some good news. But as someone who's followed a lot of cases, even having lived in the U.S., I can tell you that at this stage, it would be a miracle for this young lady to be returned safe. First of all, she's a beautiful young lady, only 19 years old. She worked at this apartment complex where she lived and the young man who also worked there with her apparently had some sort of an infatuation for her. Mm -mm -mm. And she kept uh, you know, saying that she was obviously not interested in him. And he, one of her family members, I was reading an interview yesterday, said that for a while he had stopped messaging her and then the messaging like picked up again. Now, listen to me. Be paranoid. People tell you you can't live your life with paranoia. I'm telling you, be paranoid. Because even at 19, when I lived in the States, and I'm going to tell you why I'm paranoid, because when you come very close to being a victim and you knew it, um, you probably take a little bit extra precautions in life. A maintenance man at a condo like that, at a complex like that, has a master maintenance key, which means that he is able to get into every single apartment. And in fact, after she went missing, they then discovered that he had entered her apartment. Now they found blood in the apartment on her pillow. Um, they found, I think, a broken window or something. There was obvious signs of a struggle. 
that she was trying to, it looks like, get out of the apartment. And someone is saying these men can't understand when you're not interested. Well, unfortunately, some men take a very different approach when you're not interested in that they will do everything in their power to get you by force, even if they have to. So if someone makes advances at you and um, you have rebuffed those and they continue, take it very, very seriously, especially when they have access to go into your apartment. Like I personally would have probably moved and quit my job. But, you know, this isn't the victim's fault. I don't want you to think that that's what I'm saying here. This could happen to anyone, really. And um, unfortunately, you have got to really think about these things, especially when you live in a place like the U.S. I'm going to share a story with you guys that is probably going to blow your mind, but here it is. When I lived in, um, <clears throat> in Florida... I lived in Tampa. Uh, there were some high profile cases of like women going missing. I don't know if you guys remember the one. Some of you might be too young or you probably weren't listening to Florida news back then. Where an entire family had gone missing, a mother and her two daughters. They were um, visiting from, I think it was like Minnesota or Michigan or somewhere up north. And they came down to vacation I think I think originally they were in Orlando. Um, let me see. I'm trying to look this this case up because this was um this was a number of years ago, and the way that they solved this case was so incredibly shocking. Because they solved the case with a billboard. Um, let me tell you. Yes, this was the, this was the early 1990s that they actually arrested him. Obla Chandler was his name. He was executed, I believe, in 2011. I believe he got the he got the death um, sentence for this case. A triple murder. So, you know, I grew up in Tampa and unfortunately grew up hearing about these cases. And listen, when you're a kid and you hear these types of cases, they scare the bejeebers out of you. Like, literally. I would read the news and I'd be like, oh my God. And this was a big case back then. So this is St. Petersburg, Florida, which is right across the bridge from Tampa. Um... 1989 was when it happened, but I remember reading it in the news. I remember seeing it because 89, I would have been high school. I graduated high school like in 91. So I would have been like probably starting my first because high school was like three years. So I would have been starting like my first year of high school. Of course, as a teen, you're reading the news, that sort of thing. So it was shocking because they were from Ohio and um, it was the wife and her two teenage daughters they decided to take a vacation to Florida, um, left the husband, you know, back home on the farm. And they turned up dead. Their bodies were discovered because what he did was he actually killed them 
and threw them overboard with like bricks to their feet or something. Really, really horrific. Sexually assaulted them, weighed them down um, with bricks, and then threw them overboard. So the mother was 36, the daughters were 17 and 14 years old. So um, this was a really unbelievable case. And the thing that the detective said at the time is that when he threw them overboard, they were actually still alive. So they, they died by drowning. And it got a lot of media coverage. It was just such a horrible thing. It was even featured on the show Unsolved Mysteries because he got away with it for a little while. So what ended up happening is they went to Disney World from Ohio. They were planning a visit to Busch Gardens, which you know is right in Tampa. In fact, I lived about, I grew up about maybe a 20 minute drive from Busch Gardens. Like it wasn't really that far where my aunt's house was. And USF is like a stone throw from Busch Gardens and stuff as well, right? So they met someone, which turned out to be this murderer, who had offered them an evening boat ride. And then they never returned. So what he did was he wrote down the instructions, like wherever they met him, I don't know if they met him at the gas station or wherever. He knew that they were visiting from out of town, first of all. And, and um, he wrote down the instructions for them. And in the instructions... He said, like, you know, turn here, whatever, where to meet them, where to meet his car. So this case went unsolved for, like, years. And then somebody had the idea. They did, like, profiling of him. They're like, listen, he's definitely a serial killer. He has um, probably killed before. We're pretty sure he's killed since then. And someone said, why don't we take the note that he put up and um, put that on a billboard? And they did that in the 1990s. And I remember, this is so weird, right? I remember driving around Tampa and actually seeing the billboard, like the sign that they just took it and stuck it on a billboard. Do you know who this could be? Wow. And it turned out to be this guy, Oba Chandler, 46 years old, blue collar charmers, how they described him, married at least at times, father of nine children, at least. And in 1992, they were able to finally um, convict him. So you grow up like kind of being surrounded by this stuff. And it's very different, I think, than kids who grew up in Cayman or on, on an island. You're probably so much more trusting of people. And so I always had a sense that, like, oh, my God, locked doors. You know, you're always paranoid, even as you went off to university, to live by yourself. There was another high-profile case that year that I was going away to university in 1991. 
at the University of Florida, there was a serial killer in the loose killing university students, girls, raping and killing them and whatever. They eventually caught him like living out in the woods close to University of Florida. So there was always a sense that you got to just be super, super careful. Like most students, first year, you want to live on campus. You feel a little bit safer, even living on campus. You can't trust people. You know, um, you meet people, you're, you're young, you're starting to want to date and whatever, but you just got to be so careful. So when I was in high school, I had something happen to me that I thought I could have been the victim of a serial killer. Like this dude was legit crazy. Like something wasn't right. So I was um, in my senior year of high school and my uncle actually worked at the mall. He was like a maintenance guy at the mall. So my aunt had left because I think my grandfather had died and she had to come back to Cayman and I wasn't able to come. So I had to stay and it was like right before school was starting, but we were working on our, like we had a summer reading list that they'd given us and we had to do our summer reading list. So because I couldn't be left alone at home, um, you know, I was still a minor and my aunt was like, oh, she was super strict child. She didn't leave you alone anyway, you know? So, um, you know, in the mornings I would have to get up at the crack of dawn because my uncle had to go to work really early and I would go with him. And then he did like the morning shift. So by like two or three o'clock he was done. And so I would just go and hang out at the mall until he was ready to go. So I would take like my book with me, you know, work on my summer reading list, sit in the food court early in the mornings, um, at that particular mall, this was actually, um, Tampa Bay Mall. Um, we had a lot of seniors that they had like a walk-in program. So they would walk like the length of the mall every morning. And so because I was doing this for a little while, I would join them in the mornings and they loved it. Having a young person join them was so much fun. And we would like talk and whatever. I would get a little bit of exercise in. So that was like the morning routine, get up in the morning, go to work with my uncle, walk around with the old folks. They would walk like maybe an hour or so, um, actually before the stores open in the mall. And then by the time the stores start to open, then they would pretty much leave. And then I would hang out and kind of like window shop or whatever until my uncle's shift was done. So one day now I am at the, um, walking around the stores were just starting to open and the mall opened at nine o'clock. And I'm at the pet store. So funny. I'm just standing at the pet store, looking in the window at the little dogs, thinking to myself, oh, they're so cute. I was probably wanting one. Why won't my aunt buy me a dog? Whatever. And I feel somebody looking at me. You know, you know, even when someone is in your peripheral view, like they're, they're standing next to you, but you can feel them intensely staring at you. And this is what was going on, right? So this guy is like, and I knew it was a guy, although I didn't turn around and look at him directly. I could feel him just staring at me. And I'm like, okay, this is a little weird. Like it just gave me a weird vibe. So I, they, they open up the, the shutters for the pet store and I just walked in the pet store and this guy walks in the pet store. So I go and I look at, they had a little thing in the middle little display um, thing with the puppies. They just put them out there so they could run around and play. And I start playing with the puppies and he's just like standing there. 
And I'm like, okay. Now you think I'm being paranoid. I'm in my own head. I'm a teenager, very sheltered teenager. And I'm thinking, all right, I'm just being paranoid. Like this guy, this is cool. You know, don't, don't go crazy, Sandy. This is what I'm telling myself now. This isn't what you think it is. This dude is going to kill you. And I used to love true crime, like even to this day. My favorite thing is investigation discovery. I'm watching all the true crime stories. I want to know who done it, how they done it, the whole nine yards, right? So now I'm reflecting on all these serial killer books that I've been reading about Ted Bundy and this one and that one. I'm like, oh my God, just stay calm. So I walk out of the pet store and I said, ah, this guy isn't, and he's following me. And you still are telling yourself that this isn't happening. You're still telling yourself, oh, he's not following me. But on the other side of my brain, I'm like, he is following me. It started from outside the pet store. He walked into the pet store, getting a little bit weird. So then I start doing things that, okay, let me test if this guy is really following me or he's just going about his business and our paths are just really passing in a weird way. So I got in the, I went down the escalator. There he is. I went up the elevator. There the dude is. Now I'm like, okay, this ain't, this ain't right. I go and sit in the food court, sit down at a table in the food court. The dude sits at my table with me. He never said a word to me. Never said good morning, never said anything. But here I am sitting at a little round table in the food court and he's now sitting at me and now I'm looking at this guy face to face. He had the bluest blue eyes in the world. I'm like looking into his eyes and he's looking at me. And I'm like, what the, like, you know? Now my poor little brain is in over, over time. What do I do? So I'm thinking, like I had my book, but I obviously wasn't reading the book. I'm sitting there looking at him and I'm thinking, how do I get out of this? Like, you're afraid to like say anything. Like, do I jump up and yell? Like, why the hell are you like harassed? Like, you know, you don't want to be crazy because you're still thinking, mm, what's going on here? Anyway, this is, this is legit scary situation. So um, I'll never forget. He was drinking. He had a coffee in his hand the whole time. He was drinking a black coffee. Maybe that's why I don't like coffee. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, um, he's looking at me and I'm looking at him and I'm just like, okay. So then I get up and I go downstairs. Now there's an area underneath the mall, lower level. Uh, it'd be like ground level, but you know, goes down a little bit. That is for staff only. Security personnel, maintenance staff, whatever. Nobody else goes underneath there, but the people who actually you know, take care of the mall sort of thing. So I thought, right, this is going to be full of security. He's not going to come in there with me. And it was down like a long corridor. It was well lit and everything. So I wasn't like going in a dark corridor. And I start walking down there very, very quickly. And this dude is still there. So then I go into the like staff lunch area, their common area where they would sit down and take their lunch breaks and whatever. And I sit down there and he's sitting right there. I was like, whoa, this dude has some balls. He came into the area with like all these security guards and everything sitting there. And now I'm like, okay, I'm in trouble. But my brain tells me this is my opportunity to get out of this because I'm surrounded by security guards. You need to speak up. Like, don't be afraid of this guy. It's just him one and you got all this, these other guards. So I'll never forget. 
there was a Puerto Rican guy. And I just remember that he's Puerto Rican because um, he's young, really cute. I mean, I was a teenager and he's probably like in his 20s. And I always thought, oh, he's so cute. But obviously not my age group at the time. But I looked at him and he, we would always practice. Like I was taking Spanish and, you know, I'd practice my Spanish with him and whatever. So then he said to me in Spanish, um, who is this guy? And I said to him, this is the day that legit, knowing a little bit of Spanish, saved my life. And I said to him in Spanish, I said, yo no sé. So I was like, I don't know who he is. So when he asked me, like, you know, who is he? I said, yo no sé. Uh, pero, you know, I think that he's dangerous. And when I said that word, peligroso, he was like, oh, okay. And they had to escort this dude out of the mall. To this day, I know that had that guy gotten a hold of me, and I don't know, you know, dragged me out of the mall or whatever he was planning on doing, that um, that would have been the end of me. That would have been it. I never knew who he was, or it could have been this Oba Chandler guy, as far as I know. I don't know. He was probably some serial killer just looking for his next victim, and he had his eyes on me and you know oh my god gd says i love story tell time this was such a scary experience for me and i think that a little bit of like my sixth sense kind of kicked in i knew i was in danger i knew this guy was dangerous and i'm like you just gotta you gotta listen to that now right even though i was like doubting myself you know, in the end, I went into an area where there were a lot of people, there was security. And what shocked me, because I didn't actually think that he was going to go into that area. I thought, oh, the second he sees where we're going, um, he's going to just like disappear. And he didn't. So that showed the boldness of this guy. I was like, whoa. So when I see stories like this about this young lady... I reflect on, you know, my experience all those years ago and it's unfortunate, but I do not think that she's alive. I don't think she's alive anymore. This is horrible. This is horrible for any family to have to go through a situation like this. She's only 19 years old. She's just, she was in community college. She's just starting to live her life. And some creep who's 27 because he couldn't get her attention decides to take her life. And the second they found him and he had committed suicide, I knew it. I'm like, there's, this is now a recovery mission. It's sad. I hope that they're able to find her because even that adds another layer of, um, I think, stress to the situation when you never know where they were taken, what happened to them. Apparently there's like a wooded area um, in Coastal Complex that they're, they've been searching. And um, it's just really, really hard. Like I cannot imagine what her family is going through. Apparently her father frequented Cayman. He's a DJ. So a lot of people know him. He would come here and work with um, people like uh, Craig Fredericks, Festa. Craig said that the two of them are good friends and he 
considered his son and daughter, including this young lady, to almost be like godchildren. Um, because you know, he's known them since they were really, really young. <clears throat> really beautiful um young lady and it's just so sad. I don't think that this is going to have the ending that we would have all hoped for. Um, of course, you know, they've been putting out messages since Friday. They immediately started to look for her. Now they've discovered footage of him um, doing things that look like he was trying to either clean up a situation or move a body or something. So let's let's watch it. Uh, yes, Ms. Brenda, at least if they could get some degree of closure. It's not going to lessen their pain, but then they wouldn't have all these questions. With him having committed suicide, they don't get to interrogate him. They don't get to ask him, why? Why did you do this? You know, how did you do it? Like those types of questions they may not know, um, especially if it takes them longer to locate and to find her. The first thing I thought of when I heard about this is they need to bring in the dogs, bring in the search dogs. I mean, they're very, very effective at finding people. You know, you make them smell a piece of clothing um, of the victim, um, of the missing person, I should say, and then you have them do their thing. And a lot of times these dogs will take you right to where the person is, especially if it's in walking distance. <clears throat> Let's let's watch let's watch the story. This new video of a man Mia Marcano's family believes is her maintenance man carrying her stuff away the day after she went missing and two days before he turned up dead. This crucial evidence could directly connect him to her disappearance. Mia's family not giving up hope that she is still out there. Today, they gathered outside of her apartment complex along University Boulevard in Orange County to search for clues. Fox 35's Dave Puglisi joins us live. So, Dave, this new video we just saw could be a big clue that they've been looking for. It definitely could be. Maybe more clues here inside Arden Villas, which has been the scene of the longest search here throughout the day by law enforcement. And that is still going on right now. The family still hopeful that they'll find her following every potential lead. In his front, the passenger side. New video shows a man who appears to match a description of Armando Caballero getting out of a car. A car that matches the description from police of Armando's. A blank, the blanket. Oh my God, that is my blanket. The man is seen carrying a blanket and a bag heading into a building. The blanket, family say, is Mia's. Think of yourself if you were in our shoes. If you saw that video and you saw Mia's blanket, how would you react? Mia's family says this video was shot the same morning Simone had a chilling encounter with Caballero. He said, are you looking for Mia? I said, who are you? He said, I'm the maintenance guy. I heard you're looking for me. The search for the 19-year-old is intensifying as large numbers of investigators arrive at Arden Villas. Residents even received this email about a search of their garages and storage units. One resident tells Fox 35 she had to move her car this morning to accommodate. It's been hectic. It's been scary. Everything that we've been seeing here just shows that we're not truly safe here. Mia's family says they've been receiving numerous tips from the community and law enforcement. They have searched several locations, including wooded and swampy areas, and they're not giving up. Today's that day where we got up upset. There hasn't been much crying at this point. We're just ready to bring her home, but we need everyone's help. 
and you can be a part of that help. The family has started an Instagram page to keep you updated on the latest updates and investigations and searches done by them. And you can find that on Instagram at Bring Mia Home. And again, any information that you have that could lead to finding Mia is more important than ever before. You should be giving that to police as soon as you possibly can. In Orlando, Dave Puglisi, Fox 35 News. Thanks, Dave. And Mia's family also tells us that they think that she was kidnapped and more people are involved. But investigators say they don't think that is the case. As her family searches that apartment complex for answers, people who live there are concerned. Some going as far as blaming the complex for Mia's disappearance. Fox 35's Holly Bristow reached out to the property manager. So Holly, did they get back to you? Well, Luann, what we have right now is a statement that Ardenville has released to us yesterday saying that they were improving some of their security procedures. I'm praying that she's coming home. I have a hope that she's still out there. Mia Ross, a neighbor of Mia Marcano, gets emotional talking about the missing 19-year-old. She's spooked not knowing what happened. So is Hannah Holmes. It makes me feel unsafe as a resident. This big green poster reads, Arden Villas, it's your responsibility to keep your residents and staff safe. We hold you accountable. Now sits in the middle of candles left for Mia Marcano. Copies of this flyer blaming the company that owns the complex is being posted all around the community too. Just yesterday, Arden Villas Department's manager sent out a memo talking about proactive measures to enhance their safety protocols, saying they've repositioned a guard to the front gate to document all residents and guests leaving the property. These women saying they haven't seen that yet. I think that the gate stays open for about five cars to go through. So even sometimes I don't, it doesn't even make sense for me to scan my key fob. Fox 35 News did not see a guard at the gate today, but there was a guard present during our live shots last night. Deputies said the person of interest in Maya's disappearance, maintenance man Armando Caballero, had used a key fob to enter Mia's apartment Friday, 30 minutes before she got home from work. Arden Villas says they've upgraded their maintenance procedures to allow for appointment-only booking. It's definitely something that should have been done way beforehand. Anna Holmes says she's had some unexpected encounters with maintenance. But most of the time I've had them knock like once and then just let themselves in. That's crazy, actually. Um, I think that that apartment complex, to be quite honest, is very, very slack with their procedures. I can't believe that in this day and age, you would have <clears throat> maintenance, be able to enter someone's apartment just like that, with a key fob that works on every... I mean, I know when you stay in hotels, you know, to expedite cleaning and that sort of thing, normally the hotel um, staff will have, you know, a master key that they can, a master card that they can let themselves in and out of, but you have to know who those people are. And I would think, I'm sure this guy probably had a clean record. They probably did a background check on him. So it's not to say that he'd ever been convicted of anything before, but in my mind, allowing an apartment complex, a maintenance person to just be able to access someone's apartment without any previous appointment or anything, that to me, that just sounds crazy. That just sounds crazy. And so I think that this, uh, the procedures obviously that they had in place um, made it easier 
for him to get access to her in her own apartment. There's so many things about this case that is just absolutely crazy. So our thoughts and prayers uh, go out to this young lady's family. I mean, maintain hope, you know, um, but I don't know. So they, they continue to search in and around the complex because they feel like whatever happened, um, she's probably close by. Um, we see a lot of footage of the signs that says Arden Villa, this is on you. Just so sad. So he was found dead of an apparent suicide on Monday. Um, after they, they had actually ironically issued an arrest warrant for him for burglary, because at least they knew that he had gone into her apartment without her permission, with it, without any lawful reason to do so. So I think that they wanted to bring him in on the burglary um, charge. And when they issued the arrest warrant, they went to look for him. He already had committed suicide. And they said that apparently he had been dead for um, a little while. So probably from maybe even um, Saturday or Sunday, but by, and then they found him on Monday. So they found a broken necklace on the floor, her bedroom in disarray and blood on a pillow. And they said that she was meticulously clean and always wore that necklace. And so um, immediately they knew that she was in trouble. Really sad situation. Um, Clinton, Melinda, thank you. Clint says, I'm so sad. What a horrific tragedy seeking Sending uh, blessings and peace to her family during this time, Ms. Brenda says, firstly, maintenance shouldn't have a master key. That should be controlled by the building inspector, supervisor. Yeah, this, this is where I found the whole thing really weird because if you need to have a maintenance appointment, um, why he would just have a master key, What I don't, I don't understand how that was working. Like he just always had a master key on him or did he go to the office and take the master key out and then went to her condo? Um, and literally he entered her condo around 4.30 and she was last seen at five o'clock when she was getting off of work. So it looks like he was waiting for her in her apartment when she got off of work because she was supposed to be scheduled to go that evening to Fort Lauderdale. She was supposed to go to the airport. So I can imagine that a lot of the women, and they are saying this, um, that they're not safe. One person said it was just creepy. And the fact that the maintenance people have access to our apartments and we just got these key fobs last month. And so if these key fobs weren't introduced last month, no one would have known who went into their apartments, into our apartment. So that's interesting. I mean, on the one hand, the good thing I suppose about the key fob is without a doubt, they know that he entered her apartment at a certain time because the key fob is obviously being tracked by software. So on the one hand, I suppose that part of it is good. Um, and that's how they were able to narrow it down that he was a person of interest very, very quickly. So 
So a new system that was just introduced. Multiple residents have told Local 10 News that they reported Caballero to management. And um, a spokesperson for Arden Villas claimed that they have no record of complaints. And they said he passed a national background check. But listen to this. A search under Polk County Sheriff's records show that Caballero has been charged in the past for firing a weapon at a school campus and another charge for possession or discharge of a destructive device. Oh, my goodness. Sorry. Oh, my allergies are kicking in today. Um, so, uh, yeah, it doesn't look like he was squeaky clean. Um, the complex said in a statement on Tuesday that they were wrapping up security. Her family held a vigil on uh, Tuesday night and is holding on to hope of finding her, continuing to organize searches. So um, there's an account, an Instagram account that has been set up, hashtag or at bring my home. Um, you know, showing all of the, um, just footage of her, pictures of her, everything, and just really asking, uh, the family to, um, to really help to bring her home. It looks like they had it featured on the, um, view. So it's gotten national, uh, news in the U.S., so this is the view show and um, they're talking about this case. There's such a disparity in the States for when women of color go missing. Everybody knows that she's a beautiful uh, young lady. Everybody knows that um, unfortunately that when a woman of color goes missing, normally there's not as much media attention. Um, this one has gotten quite a bit. I think her family has been pushing that. So, um, you know, because the first couple hours of, um, someone's disappearance are so incredibly critical to recovering them if they're going to be found safe. And even if they're not going to be found safe, just there's, there she is with her parents at graduation. She just graduated last year from high school. Really gorgeous, um, young lady. So we um, continue, you know, to hold on to hope because, um, you know, until they find her, there will always be hope. So please just remember her family um, in your prayers and thoughts. So Miss Brenda says, I would never live anywhere that someone else could enter my domain, no way. Um, Sue says they all have master keys, the managers of all apartments here too. Um, yeah, I mean, this is a thing when you live in these complexes in the U S some of them have hundreds of residents and you don't know who your neighbors are, you know, it's, 
it's a it's very surreal it's very different like Cayman is so protected I think in that way like you tend to know people around you in the U.S. the person next door you may not even know that's why they'd be stealing your Amazon packages and unless you set up a camera you have no idea you know, like who these people are um, I look at a situation like this and a lot of us, you know, have children, your children go off to university, um, especially Cayman and children who, who often been sheltered. You try to tell them, take these safety precautions, do this, do that. And one of the really simple things that you can do parents, and let me make this recommendation to all of you, is um, everybody can get access now to a ring camera, right? No matter where your children are in university, put up a ring camera by their door. So before you drop them off and kiss them goodbye and hope that they're going to get a decent education, they're going to learn whatever, before you do any of that, put up a ring camera that will notify you on your phone so you can see people coming and going. Now imagine if somebody else had, say her dad, had put up a ring camera and he could see this guy entering her apartment at 4.30. She had half an hour where he could have said, he could have called her and said, honey, this guy just went into your apartment. Do you know who this is? And then she would have known, no, I don't know who that is. And I'm not gonna go into that apartment right now. I'm gonna go call the police. I'm gonna call the office manager, whatever. Like she literally walked in to him being in her space in her domain. So Ms. Brenda, sometimes you can't control, um, you know, what these property managers are doing, who they're giving key access to, or you know, he could have stolen the key from the office, all that sort of thing. But um, yeah, you just never know. So we have a comment here. There's a video with him coming out um, of his car with some goods, creepy as hell. He looks like a person that would do something serious. The thing is, you can't ever go by looks. You just never know. You just never, never know. Did he pass a psych test? They probably didn't give him one because they were probably desperate to find a maintenance man. Louise says we put too much trust in background checks, which only reveal what a person has been caught with in the past. And I agree with that as well. Not just caught, but convicted. And as you can see, uh, there's no indication that he's been convicted, but it does look like he has um, at least some arrests. Now, of course, people will tell you, well, yeah, I was arrested, but I was exonerated or whatever. Can you refuse to give someone a job just because of an arrest? So 19-year-old graduate of Flanagan High School in Pembroke Pines. She's a student at Orlando's Valencia College. And uh, she was working as well as... Um, a leasing agent, I think they said, in the office there. So she lived there and she also worked there. Yes. Thank you, Miss Brenda. Um, So headlines around the world, the Daily Beast says person of interest rebuffed by missing Florida college student kills himself. Um, Orlando, clickorlando.com, <clears throat> person of interest of women's disappearance found dead. The Independent has carried it and said also that 
he was infatuated with her as well. It is scary. We'll keep you guys updated. She's still considered a missing person. Um, had her entire life before her, that's for sure. Anyway, folks, um, what else did we have on the agenda that we wanted to talk about today? Um, so scary as parents, like, oh my God. Uh, mm -mm. Let me see here. Mm. Oh, vaccine mandates. I guess, I guess we can end the show on this note. Um, so we didn't get to the, the weekly report for the PAC government. They now put out these reports and they don't really get a lot of attention, but I think um, we need to organize it. Oh yes. Thanks Kevin for the reminder. Um, don't forget that tonight is Thursday. Today's Thursday. And so we will have um, the CMR's COVID spotlight series. This is going to be episode four. So make sure you tune in for this tonight, folks, because um, this is going to be a great show. Uh, Kevin has, again, some wonderful guests lined up for us. Uh, so make sure you tune in, watch it. Everyone enjoyed the one on Thursday. I mean, we continue even now getting on Tuesday, sorry. We continue now getting a lot of feedback on those guests and how informative and educational the show was. Sorry. And uh, I would encourage you to tune in this evening as well. So more topics. Hey, K-Man, you don't want to miss tonight's CMI COVID Spotlight. The primary topic is vaccines and scientists who oversee vaccine clinical trials will be on. If you join us live at 7 K-Man time, the experts will answer your questions. All right, folks, so this is it. Vaccine experts are going to be talking about the clinical trials. So if you have any doubts at all um, about vaccines and how they work and how this particular one, um, you know, has come to where it is today, this is going to be the evening that you definitely want to tune in um, to get all of your questions answered by the experts. So, uh, Kevin, do we have a list of names yet of who you've got lined up for us? I'm sure that Kevin will send that information through. We will post it um, up on our social media platforms. And uh, yeah, we'll make sure that <clears throat> we let you know what's going on. All right, um, so just quickly, New York uh, with mandate. So here's what we know. Um, the mandate went into effect on Monday and they were um, gearing up for, um, you know, basically, um, there's an article here that I want to send. Um, one second. They were gearing up for, um, They were gearing up for potential losses. Uh, by the way, um, USF 
dean of, he's a senior associate vice president of USF Health, dean, Mr. Dr. Kevin Sneed, I think is how it's pronounced, uh, for the um, College of Pharmacy. So senior associate vice president, College of Pharmacy, and I think he's a dean as well, USF Health dean. But anyway, he's going to be on. And um, he's going to be joining us. He um, has quite a lengthy resume. Senior Associate Vice President for USF Health, <clears throat> Bachelor of Science in Biology, Concentration in Microbiology from the University of Central Florida. Dr. Sneed uh, received his Doctorate of Pharmacy degree from Xavier University in Louisiana. Um, he's, been, he's received numerous clinical and leadership awards. He completed an ambulatory care and primary care pharmacy practice specialty residents at Pines, at Bay Pines Veterans Administrative. Listen, his thing is like a who of who of the pharmacy world. So make sure you tune in um, at 7 p.m. to hear all of what he has to say. So in New York, they have introduced the strictest mandate thus far for vaccines because they're not allowing for any excuses for their medical staff, so this is frontline workers now, um, to get vaccinated. And so this is super interesting. But um, the information that we have is that it has been hailed a success. So here's what they did. They said, get vaccinated. Uh, you have no option to test weekly. So, you know, some places are like, okay, if you don't get vaccinated, then you get a weekly test. New York said, no get vaccinated. It allowed for no religious exemptions, which is now um, being litigated because some people are saying, no, no, that's not fair. We need a religious exemption. So that will go through the courts. And, um, but you know what? They went from 80, let me see, they had 8,000 workers who were unvaccinated a week ago. And by Monday that had dropped to 5,000. So just under 10% of their workforce uh, remain unvaccinated as of Monday. So some people are holding out, but the vaccine mandates appears to have worked in New York. So now 92% of the state's more than 650,000 hospital and nursing home workers have received at least one vaccine. That's a lot. That's over half a million people. That's a lot. And again, they said this was a significant increase, although interestingly enough, the state's nursing home um, is where they have the lowest number, those poor old folks. <laughs> They're like, are you trying to kill us off quicker? Uh, they were making preparations for any potential shortages. So the governor of New York, Kathy Hochul, had taken steps to prepare for staff shortages, including declaring a state of emergency for Monday, uh, late on Monday night that would allow her to use the National Guard to fill any staff shortages for hospitals and nursing homes if needed. And a crisis operations center was also opened up for healthcare facilities to request help if needed. But so far, um, and they also did something with the licensing, like they waived it where you could bring out of state people in if you need to be. But um, so far it looks like um, it has worked. The mandate has worked. So, um, for example, of the 43,000 employees at New York City's 11 public hospitals, about 5,000 were not vaccinated. And now um, 
you know, let me see. Um, a lot of those have decided to get the, at least the very first jab as well. Um, another one had 95% vaccinated. Um, Catholic Health said that it was forced to postpone a small number of elective surgeries. However, um, they also have, they have the largest healthcare provider in Western New York. They've also said that um, they have reached full compliance, counting staff members who had been vaccinated and those with exemptions and some um, who had been suspended without pay. So they were suspending people without pay. And then long-term, they said that they would be terminated if the suspension without pay uh, did not work. So the spokesman for that group, Joanne Kovanoff, refused to say how many workers had been suspended or granted exemptions due to medical or religious reasons. But she said, um, you know, they were forced to postpone a small number of elective surgeries. Um, Erie County Medical Center in Buffalo, New York, suspended elective inpatient surgeries and had stopped accepting intensive care unit patients from other hospitals as it prepared to fire hundreds of unvaccinated employees. So they will fire them. And they said they'll find other people. Um, so Cutler said the decision to curtail some operations would inconvenience patients and hurt hospital finances because apparently elective inpatient surgeries bring in about a million dollars a week at that facility. But they said, we made a decision as to where we could temporarily make some changes uh, so that we can ensure other areas of services are as little affected as possible. So California is coming up next. I think those are the two largest states by population, right? New York and California. So um, California will be next to implement um, very, very similar things as well. They have, oh, today's deadline is for California. So Monday was New York and today, um, September the 30th, that's today, is for California. So um, I guess... What on earth is this song going on with? Are you people serious? Um, so I guess that, you know. All right, let's, wear, let's uh, read our daily om of the day. <clears throat> the, today's title is Mind Over Matter. All right, so this one says um, we can improve our physical well-being by first starting to notice our thoughts and our reactions to them. So the power of the mind is a curious thing because it is so powerful yet so difficult to control sometimes. We find ourselves thinking a certain way, knowing that this thought may be creating trouble for us, yet we find it difficult to stop. For example, many people have the experience of getting sick at the same time every year or every time they go on a plane. They may even be aware that their beliefs impact their experiences, uh, so continue to think that they will get sick, and then they do. Sometimes we need to get 
sick in order to process something or move something through our bodies. But often we get sick or feel exhausted because we don't make the effort to galvanize the power of our minds in the service of our physical health, which is one of its most important functions. Hmm. We really can use it to communicate to our bodies, yet we often regard the two as separate entities that have little to do with one another. Knowing this, we have the power to create physical um, health and mental health simply by paying attention to the tapes running in our minds. Once we hear ourselves, we have the power to let that tape uh, keep running or to make a new recording. We harness the power of the mind and our defense when we choose supportive healing words that foster good health and high spirits. As we need to do, uh, all we need to do, sorry, is remember to tend the, the field of our minds with the attentive and loving hand of a master gardener <clears throat> um, tending his flower beds, culling out the weeds so that the blossoms may come to fruition. Hmm. That's interesting. Uh, just a couple of days ago, I was watching something on the news about the power of um, placebo medications. You know, the placebo medications, the one that is like a fake, it's like a sugar tablet. <coughs> Sorry, it's not really a medication at all. But once you believe that that is the real deal, it's uh, amazing how your body can react and heal itself. So the power of the mind, without a doubt, is very, very powerful. And I think most of us have not mastered anywhere near being able to tap into that. So that this is just a reminder that your mind is very powerful and don't separate it, don't see it as a separate entity from your body. The two should be working in conjunction with each other. And um, you actually have the ability to you know, harness that power. Isn't that something? And that's why sometimes I don't, let certain things get into my head. Um, I don't let certain people into my head because it's like people, some people say, oh, entertain anything. And I don't agree with that philosophy necessarily. Um, because I think if you let too much foolishness into your head, then it distracts you from what you should be focusing on. And um, it has a way, I think, of cluttering your positivity and cluttering your, your mental health and your space. So um, Richie says, great to hear scientific information being featured on your show. Thank you, Richie. We always do our best. Um, so Ms. Brenda, we don't have an exact number. They said they're going to be releasing the details, I think but parents have said anywhere from three to five additional students. So we'll see how many their students uh, creating their jobs because they don't want to be vaccinated. Why are there so many? Um, Jonathan, I don't think that there's so many because remember now, if you have 650,000 healthcare workers and of those only 5,000 left were unvaccinated, they're in the minority. So I would be careful saying that there's so many. Uh, we don't, that's not a majority. That's a very small percentage, in fact. But the state has mandated, we need you all to get it done. Um, so, you know, 
And I think more physicians are doing it than the nursing staff. It's the nursing staff that are kind of like the ones who are on the fences. Um, Al says, strange how one can believe in some God or religion and that can be an exemption for vaccination, the irony of things. Sue is in agreement with the mandate. Um, Al says he believes that your body, body and mind can fight anything off. Well, having them um, working optimally can certainly help. So um, how many of you practice meditation? I have to wonder. Uh, good luck to New York. Um, like I said, there's a few people trying to litigate the situation. Uh, they have suspended some workers with more to come, basically, is what they have said. So um, 92% is still pretty good. They've received at least one dose. That's up from 82% just last week. So that extra 10%, believe me, is a big difference. Um, so we'll see what happens with California. I don't know if the California one, let me see if the California one, I'm not sure if that one is gonna be as um, strict. So here's what they say. Uh, the California mandate, most healthcare workers are complying, they're saying. Um, Kaiser at Permanente, Dignity Health, CAC Medicine and other major hospital systems in California. So they are well on their way to meeting Thursday's deadline for the state's COVID-19 vaccination mandate with several citing vaccination rates of 90% or higher. California. Um, the, their order includes physicians, nurses, technicians, janitors, and other workers in hospitals, dialysis centers, doctor's offices, nursing homes, Substance abuse centers and other facilities remain one of the most stringent in the country. Only limited medical and religious exemptions allowed. So New York was even letting those. So on Tuesday, uh, state officials issued a new order that extended the mandate to in-home hospice care, disability centers, senior centers um, with healthcare workers, but gave them an extra two months to comply until November the 30th despite predictions that the mandate would cause severe staffing shortages, many hospitals told CalMatters that um, they were confident Thursday's deadline would not uh, disrupt daily operations. So um, the exception of a major provider in San Diego, um, they said that there were small numbers of requests for medical and religious exemptions. Mm -hmm. uh, so they have to track vaccination and exemption status. They're not required to routinely report the information to the state or the public. And so we'll see how that goes for them. But it looks like most are complying. So we have Keck Medicine of USC, 92% are fully vaccinated. Only five people have not been vaccinated or sought a religious or medical exemption, according to Felipe Azor Azorno. Azorno, Executive Administrative Operations. At Sutter Health, one of the largest providers in Northern California, 
91% of employees and 96% of affiliated providers are fully vaccinated, according to Dr. William Eisenberg, Chief Quality and Safety Officer. So these are pretty high vaccination records or numbers. Um, so mandates are working. In February, only 75% of California nurses had been vaccinated and 22% said that they did not plan to get vaccinated. That was according to a survey conducted by the American Nursing Foundation. California Nurses Association supported vaccination, but has stopped short of endorsing the mandate, stating that all eligible people should be vaccinated. All right, folks, California, New York, biggest states there, and I'm sure there'll be others, including Florida, probably to follow suit. Um, one quick note here, we'll be putting up this story a little bit later on. The Ombudsman's office has reminded people locally that um, if you, um, you know, now that the, the local regulations have changed and, you know, employers and potentially others, the gym, whatever, is checking your vaccination status, that they should be aware that now that puts them in the category of being a um, data collector. And so as a result of that, they should be mindful of how they're handling that data and that they are handling it, um, you know, in the proper legal way. So if you don't know what that means, folks, uh, you should probably get a little bit of legal advice. <laughs> we'll leave that up to you. Um, Rachel says, unfortunately, they're victims of the same social media disinformation campaigns as other people. And of course, yesterday you would have heard it here first in CMR that YouTube has taken a much stronger position um, about misinformation and allowing a lot of this video content and YouTubers who are known to perpetrate misinformation to continue to use their platform uh, to do so. Um... Everton says that a lot of people lose their job because of stupidity. I just got my flu shot and I'm good. This is a time of the year that we start to get flu shots. This is all ridiculous. It is the other day a nurse was busted for having fake vaccination cards. Wow. A teacher is busted for the same thing. So they're willing to put their job or livelihood on the line because of stupidity and they will not get, and will not get unemployment. The government will not give them unemployment. Ooh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Anglican Bishop of Cayman and Jamaica urges people um, to get vaccinated. Thanks for that. Gregory um, urges Christians to get vaccinated against COVID-19. Yeah. So if you need a minister to tell you what to do, folks, um, the ministers, the Cayman Islands Ministers Association, the Seventh-day Adventist Church, has said that religion is not a reason to not take the vaccine. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm confused by the whole religious reason as well. Um, but, you know, people use religion for all sorts of things. They use religion to have kept black people slaves much longer than they should have been. They use religions to, uh, religious beliefs to discriminate against Jews and other people. Um, they use religion to discriminate against Arab people. They use it to hold women barefoot and pregnant. Uh, they've used it to keep the mantra of separate but equal. You know, religion has been used um, to, to commit a lot of atrocities, um, atrocities over the years, many, many centuries, as long as religious has been around. And it's quite 
unfortunate that that has been the case. Um, thank you, Gloria. We have to check that one out. That sounds quite in-depth. Uh, it's a review about ethical issues surrounding the transplantation of human fetal tissues. Hmm. All right, folks. Uh, thank you all so very much. Again, please tune in this evening at 7 p.m. Kevin has got uh, some guests lined up for us. They're going to be fantastic, no doubt. Join the conversation, learn as much as you can about vaccines, about the COVID-19 vaccine in particular, and um, educate yourself, folks, folks, educate, educate, educate. That's the key. The more correct information you have, I feel like you're empowering yourself to make the best possible decisions. Um, <coughs> thank you, Tommy. You guys have a blessed day, and uh, I'll see you this evening at 7 o'clock. Hey, K-Man, you don't want to miss tonight's CMI COVID Spotlight. The primary topic is vaccines, and scientists who oversee vaccine clinical trials will be on. If you join us live at 7 K-Man time, the experts will answer your questions. tuning in to another edition of the cold hard truth make sure to check facebook for showtimes and more information and the latest news at caymanmarlroad.com subscribe to our ig and facebook pages to get the latest happenings 